welcome to today's episode. This is another episode in the continuing saga of Karen's midlife experiences. What can I say? It's been an interesting few months because if you've listened to the few previous episodes, I've separated from my husband of 30 odd years, or we've separated for a few months, trying to give ourselves a little bit of space. When, interestingly enough, I went to see some kind of energy worker when this all first happened. And she said to me that the next six to eight months would be, it it was kind of the impression she was getting was that it was an entire life's worth of experiences crammed into six months or so. That was what she said. And it was really interesting that she picked she said six to eight months because that was the time frame that I said to John that we need to spend six to eight months on our own before we decide what we want to do, get back together and what we want to do. And I told this woman nothing about what was going on, but she reiterated the six to eight months thing, which was quite weird. And I can hand on heart say that, yes, it has been totally like having a lifetime's worth of experiences in the last six to eight months. So much has happened. It's it's pretty unbelievable, to be honest. As you know, I've sold my house, bought another house, moved into the new house, but settlement didn't happen. I don't know if I've actually told anybody that settlement was supposed to happen, but it didn't. So we've had to do a lot of renegotiation. And in the middle of all this, when my house went back on the market, the house that I'm selling, when it went back on the market, my next door neighbours decided that they were going to remove the boundary fence and the surrounding vegetation at the back of the house. I say surrounding vegetation because it was basically 30 years of overgrowth along this back fence line and it was great because it gave so much protection you couldn't see anything beyond the back fence the fact that the fence was falling down was quite irrelevant because there was so much overgrowth there was nothing going to be able to get through it it was an entire ecosystem and my neighbors decided that they were going to demolish the whole thing and rip up all the vegetation and they did it knowing that I wasn't in the house and knowing that they shouldn't do it because the house is on the market. You're not legally allowed to make any major changes while the house is on the market. And yeah, they decided to do that. And that was a really interesting experience. I had a number of big ahas in in those conversations with them because one of the things I realized is I have it in my mind that men are better at confrontation than women. Don't know why I'd think that. Don't know. And the other thing is, if and if, if you know me at all, you'll know that if I'm going to burn bridges, I don't burn bridges. I tend to blow them to smithereens. And I do that partly, I've realised, because I've run out of steam with things. I just run out of energy. And so rather than keep this thing going, I'll just blow the whole thing into the sky so that there's no chance of any comebacks and I just walk on my merry way. I don't have to finish the conversation. That's what goes on for me. So when I found out 
that the neighbours had removed the fence, I was really angry and it was evening and I only knew her phone number. I didn't know his phone number from next door. So I messaged her, so what's going on with the fence? And she got quite shirty with me, which isn't, it was unnecessary. And it was one of those lessons, like I was saying last time I spoke, when I had to separate myself from the emotions and not get drawn into an argument. And I've always criticised myself for preferring to have confrontation in writing as opposed to in person. But what I realised over the next few days was that a good thing about holding this kind of conversation in via message is that it gives me chance to step away. If the response comes in and it's really irritating, I can put my phone down and I can walk away. I don't have to react. These particular people, particularly the husband, are the kind of people that just talk at you and they'll just keep going and going and going until you give up. They won't let you get a word in anyway. So just go, go, go. Verbal bullies, basically. So you can't have a conversation with them. So the conversation started in the evening. And then obviously we all went to bed. And so I had to continue it the next morning or I didn't have to continue it. This was the interesting bit. I had a choice when I got up the next morning to let it go and admit defeat or continue the conversation. And what I realised, because this went on for another two, so I think there was two or three mornings where I had to get up and continue the confrontation. and. I was so anxious in sending that first message in the morning that I was actually shaking so much I couldn't type properly. I was just physically shaking. And what comes to mind is I remember reading a or finding out about an insult that they used to have back in medieval times, and it was quake buttock, Q-U-A-K-E, buttock. And it was basically that was what the older guys would call a new young knight when he was going into battle and he was so scared his bum was shaking. I've always considered myself to be a quake buttock because I start shaking when I'm really anxious. And I was really anxious about starting this argument because it had got quite heated the night before. And I had to continue it. I had to step back into that argument. And it was really scary not to. And I realised that Normally, I would have handballed this to John. He wouldn't have been very happy about it. John's my husband, by the way, if this is the first episode you're listening to. I would have handballed this to John on the premise that blokes do confrontation way better than women do. And then when he didn't handle the confrontation the way I would have done and he didn't say what I wanted him to say, I would have got really annoyed about it. Poor guy was in a no-win situation, really. So I had to go into it myself. But the other thing that I managed to do within these conversations was stay really calm. I read a while ago, someone said, if you are in an argument and one person stays calm, the other person gets more and more angry to match because they're not, the other person's not taking on their emotional 
They're not taking on the emotions of the argument. And so they just get more and more and more angry while the other person stays calm. And that was what I did. I just kept repeating myself. And it got quite interesting because there was a bit of name calling from their side. Legally, it's a boundary fence. So even though the fence was on your land, you cannot remove it without permission from us. And if you do remove it without our permission, you have to replace it at your own expense. Because she'd said to me earlier on, well, a couple of things that really bothered me. And the first one, the first thing she came back with was, well, you're selling the house. Why are you bothered? It's the next owner's problem. They can talk to us about it. Which kind of tells me everything I need to know about them, really. And then she said, okay, well, if it's such a problem, Go and organize for somebody to fix it and we'll pay half. Okay, so you create the problem and you want me to go out and solve it and pay half to solve the problem that you've caused. Yeah, I don't think so. That's not happening. You need to put the fence back because it's an equestrian property. That's what I haven't said in this. So we have fences all the way around because the horses can get obviously you don't want the horses to get out and they'd left us with no fence along one side so it needed replacing so middle of the morning on the second day of the conversation I won't call it an argument it was an argument from her side from my side it was I was just being a nuisance I suppose and I said to her look legally you are obliged to replace that fence and if you don't, I am quite happy to take legal action against you. I left it for the rest of that day and she'd given me her husband's number. And so the next morning I had to get up and I messaged him and I noticed the same thing. That first thing in the morning, I was just quaking like a jar of jelly. I couldn't type properly and I felt nauseous and anxious and just everything else. It was pretty, pretty vile. But I pushed through it the day before so I kind of knew I could do it this particular day, even though it was really unpleasant. And as soon as he got the message, he called me because his number isn't in my phone book. It just went straight to message bank. But I just messaged him. I said, no, I'm not interested. This needs to be in writing. I don't trust you. I want everything done in writing. I do not want a conversation over the phone with you. What I found in all of these conversations were that if I just kept repeating myself, it was a boundary fence, you need to replace it. You were not allowed to remove it without our permission. You didn't have our permission. I just kept repeating myself and it left them nowhere to go. And that was an interesting experience because I didn't allow myself to be pulled into their arguments or be distracted by their emotions, their anger, their frustration, the name calling, any of that kind of thing, the ridiculous comments. I didn't allow myself to be distracted by that. I just kept repeating variations on a thing. It's a boundary fence. You need to replace it immediately. Followed by, actually, when I was talking to him, followed by go and get legal advice. They knew that I was saying the truth. They knew that, that they'd actually been into the real estate agent the weekend before to find out they asked the real estate agent where the sale was at. And he said, I can't tell you that because it's confidential information. So they knew exactly what they were doing and they knew they shouldn't have been doing it. And me telling them that they should go and get legal advice kind of gave them the message that I knew 
that they knew they shouldn't have done it. Does that make sense? That sounds a bit convoluted. But anyway, it was, an, I suppose, an experience in I've always made being that afraid to mean that I shouldn't be doing this, that if I'm frightened or anxious to the point of shaking, I shouldn't be doing this. This is the wrong thing to do. And I also made it mean all sorts of things like I'm a coward. I'm not good enough. I should be able to do this. How come they can do it and I can't? Doesn't everybody else in this kind of situation, you watch most people in this kind of situation and they don't look scared or is that just me? They don't look scared. So I thought because nobody else looked scared when they were doing this kind of thing, John certainly never does. You look at the neighbour when he comes around to, to bully us, he never looks scared. So I made it mean that I was the only person in the world who was scared. And I don't know that I am. I just, I was scared, really anxious, and I just got on with it anyway. And I found that once I started getting on with it, pretty soon all that fear just went away. And it was replaced fairly quickly with not just irritation, but quite a lot of self-righteousness. I've got to be honest. honest. I was quite self-righteous about this whole thing. I'm very smug about the fact that I knew that legally I was quite correct in what I was saying. That was so nice. I can't tell you. So that was a huge thing for me that I can, I can stand up for things, be afraid and still get the outcome that I want. Oh, long story short, they've replaced the fence. I don't know whether I've said that bit. I think what it boiled down to for me as well was it's happened quite a lot over my life. We used to have a business coach. And when something like this happened, where it was kind of really personal to the point of being, it was a personal attack. It was a painful attack. But we had a business coach and she used to say, is it worth the energy that you're going to put into it to correct this? Just pay half the money. Just go and organize it, pay half the money and let it go. And we did that a few times, but it never made me feel good. It never left me feeling good about myself because to me, there's a principle involved in this. It's important to me that you're like honesty and truth and respect and responsibility like my three top values and they've all been broken here they were lying through their teeth about saying that they'd spoken to John about it because they hadn't that was their big defense to which the answer was John doesn't own the house anyway I do so in your little misogynistic way you did the wrong thing they were showing no respect for either me or my property or the people that are going to buy the place no respect at all and they were taking no ownership of what they've done. They were not being responsible. So they broke all three of my top three personal values. And I realized that in the past, when I've let things go, it's actually made me go against my personal values. Because in accepting that kind of behavior, I'm saying it's okay for you to break my values. Whereas it's actually not, because if I allow that to happen and don't stand my ground and stand up for myself, 
then that's a boundary that's well and truly smashed. And the only person that's left feeling bad about that is me. I have to live with myself. don't have to live with anybody else. I only have to live with myself. My head's a mess anyway. I really don't want to add anything else to it. So I can see the point in not putting the energy into certain things and letting it go. I really can. But sometimes you have to make a judgment based on other things like is does this actually go against my values and is this going to be something that I am going to regret not taking action on and I think that's the big thing for me am I going to regret not doing something about it it taught me a lot it wasn't at all pleasant except when they put the fence back up that was really pleasant like eat your own dirt mate but I did learn a lot from it and that's just one of the things I've learned in the last few months. They are still ongoing. There is a lot of stuff happening. I'd love to know your thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm sure you've all had, we've all been in situations where we have a choice. Do we let it go or do we actually take a stand? Is it important enough to us to take a stand? And this was to me. It definitely was. Let me know what you think. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some thought-provoking information that can make a difference in your life. See you next time.